Welcome to House Highlights, a weekly podcast focused on Maryland politics. I'm Eric Ludke, Majority Leader of the Maryland House of Delegates, and each week I interview one of my fantastic colleagues to help you learn more about them and the work they're doing on your behalf. This is our first podcast under an entirely new format. Uh, We've switched up our software to try to give you a better experience, particularly on the audio track, which uh, was a little glitchy both on Facebook and on the podcast. So hopefully we'll end up with better quality audio as a result of that. Uh, But it also means that we're not going to be broadcasting live anymore. Uh, And as a result of that, we're going to be changing the time. So it's no longer Tuesdays at 6 p.m., Tuesdays at 6 p.m., you should go home, spend time with your kids, eat good food, watch whatever Netflix show you're binging. Instead, you should tune in either on Facebook or download the podcast uh, Wednesdays at noon is when we're going to be posting it. So be sure to tune in this each week. Um, This week, we're highlighting Delegate Brian Crosby. He represents District uh, 29B in St. Mary's County, uh, the mother county, land of Maryland's birth. He's a member of economic matters committee. He's a veteran. He's been working to support veterans, to expand opportunities for small businesses and farmers, to expand tourism in his county, which is a major industry down there. Welcome, Brian. Thank you so much for having me. And uh, I I do regularly watch, uh, and I just wanted to make sure I was more dressed up than Zoe, uh, Alonzo (laughs) Washington, who looked pretty good. I think he was like one of the early on ones. Uh, Everybody else comes casual, but he brought the heat. And so I was like, you know what? I'm going to throw on a tie for this one. Did you see, did you watch the episode with Pat Young on it? No. Oh, Pat's a character. Pat, Pat wore a tuxedo. So, you know, you're pretty dressed up. You're looking good, but you're not quite Pat Young quality. So. Yeah. That, was it his green one? No, 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 no. Not the green one. Just a straight up black tuxedo. He looked like he was ready to go, you know, waltz somewhere or do the foxtrot. So. <laughs> it, I don't know if there's any bigger character in all of Maryland than him. (laughs) He's a great, he's a great guy, like genuinely a great guy. I'm going to be, I was, you know, on the one hand excited for him on the other hand, sad that when he announced he's, he's leaving the house to, uh, to run for the, uh, the uh, County council in Baltimore County. And I'm going to miss him, man. I'm really going to miss having him in the house. Yeah. He's just a good dude. Uh, And I sat next to him. We, I mean, when we were banished to the annex this year, um, I sat next to him and it was, it was an enjoyable session. I mean, he's just yeah. always lighthearted and, you know, he keeps you, you know, he keeps you laughing uh, yeah. as you're sitting there at, t- at times that where it's like, oh man, what is going on? And Pat will tell some jokes and, you know, he can get the crowd going. I love it. You need that little bit of levity, right? When things get really stressful and we're debating something difficult, like you need the guy that can crack the joke and, and relax everybody. I think he has my favorite quote ever on the floor, on the mic. He said, listen, people call me Mr. Empathy. (laughs) Like, where did he come up with that? It was hilarious. It was hilarious. All right. But this show is supposed to be about you, not about Pat Young. What are you doing, Brian Crosby? We, we, uh, we, we, I, I always start out, as you know, with, with kind of a, a, a softball question, which is just tell us a little bit about yourself. Where did you grow up? What do you do outside of legislative work? Why did you become a legislator? Yeah. So I grew up in Philadelphia or suburbs right outside Philadelphia. My parents had me as teenagers. So uh, super young parents. I'm the oldest of five. And I guess we held up to the Irish Catholic uh, saying there, um, you know, but I went to college at Drexel on a full ride for rowing. And then after I completed rowing, 
Yeah, for rowing. I know, super awkward sport, I, right? I did not know that about you. That's great. Yeah, yeah so back in the day. Um, you know, but after I completed my uh, bachelor's in business, I then went on to law school out in Western Michigan. And then when I finished up, passed two bar exams, I did what every attorney's dream would be. I joined the U.S. Army. So, <laughs> and not only to be, I wasn't JAG, I was an infantryman. So I think most people find that to be kind of unusual and laugh about it. Um, but it's just what I've always wanted to do. I grew up idolizing my grandfather who was in World War II and he was an infantryman. And so I just wanted to follow in his footsteps. So I was super fortunate and lucky. I had probably the best career anybody could ask for in terms of luck of assignments. I got uh, stationed with the 173rd in Vicenza, Italy. I did my first deployment there. And then when I got back, I was fortunate enough to be selected to try out for 3rd Ranger Battalion. And so I did two more deployments with 3rd Ranger Battalion down in Columbus, Georgia. And then after five years on active duty, uh, I made the transition out into the National Guard and took a job um, here at Pax River. And I've lived here since uh, the end of 2015-ish. Uh, so I've been here for, for quite a while now. And currently, I started my own company. I'm a one-man shop at the moment, looking to grow. Um, but uh, I basically manage a working capital fund portfolio for an engineering group down here uh, at Pax River. And, you know, when I first came here, the story I always tell about when people ask me, why did I run? I got involved with a running club with disadvantaged youth. And so uh, it was the first time some of these kids had anybody all day ask them how their day was going. And, you know, we would hand out snacks and that would be like the highlight for these kids. And it was just pretty cool to be around them. Um, and in doing so, I was never political before this. Uh, really, the you know typical military, right? It's like you try to stay as apolitical as possible. Um, but it was my first foray into really seeing needs of a community and um, you know how much the legislature and how much uh, elected officials can make a difference. And I just wanted to chip in and give back to especially that pocket in my community which is densely populated, uh, underrepresented, and underserved. And I've always tried to keep that in mind whenever I'm voting on a bill um, or I'm talking to people is, you know, just trying to make sure that everybody understands that there are different pockets to our community down here. Uh, and it's a, really a microcosm of not just Maryland, but the United States as a whole. Uh, it's a, it, as you know, it's the most competitive district um, or one of. I mean, it is a, it is a grind. Well, I, think, I think you're probably right. It's probably the single most competitive House of Delegates seat in the state. I mean, I, I think that's fair. Yeah. I, you know, and, and you think about it, right? You come over the Thomas Johnson Bridge, which I know uh, you've, you've you know, said your prayers as you were going across. Yeah. It's, uh, it's scary. That is a terrifying bridge. It really is. Yeah. My first time my dad came down here, I don't, I don't really associate. My dad is pretty fearless. Like he's never really said to me like, Hey, I've been nervous before. Uh, and he came over the bridge and I'm only maybe three minutes from the bridge. And he called me. He was like, dude, I just went over that bridge. I might never visit you again. He was like, that's <laughs> the most nerve wracking event of my entire life. I was like, wow. And that was in 2016. So, I mean, here we are five years later. Uh, but you come over the bridge and basically you make a left and everything is mine. And so you have Pax River Naval Air Station, which employs 22,500 uh, people. You have Webster Field, which is the offshoot 
uh, and the smaller military base so that they can have a runway for emergency landings. But there's plenty of industry there, especially audiovisual, telecommunication stuff, and drone work, which is where I work, uh, down on Webster Field. We have St. Mary's College of Maryland. We go from a densely populated uh, urban field, uh, which high pockets of concentration uh, in Lexington Park, to a pretty wealthy suburb or uh, suburban feel to extraordinarily wealth along the St. Mary's River and those houses to a Rust Belt feel in Ridge and parts of Piney Point. Um, And so pretty much every challenge in the United States is here. And with that, I mean, if you broke down the voter numbers, independents decided. It's basically 46-46 R to D. And, you know, that 8% of independents, they make the difference and and select who gets elected. And it matters. And it's good. I think that's good. The more competitive districts you can have, the better. And I think it makes me a better legislator for having constituents um, on that spectrum or in that realm. Well, and to me, one of the things that's interesting about your district is how, for in all sorts of ways, it's like a key part of the state of Maryland. And I think a lot of the rest of Maryland doesn't know that, right? Like, you know, not only the place where Maryland was founded, right, where the first capital was in St. Mary's City, right? Is Do you have St. Clement's Island in your district or is that further north? No, that's further north, but it's not that far. Not that far away. The first place that the European settlers landed in, in, in the colony at the time, the Maryland colony, the, the Pax River, I mean, you've got Point Lookout, which was a major facility during the Civil War and, and a, a POW camp. You've got Pax River, like you mentioned, which has been kind of a, a, a key part of, of uh, naval air uh, development throughout the 20th century. I mean, Pax River is mentioned in the right stuff, like the the book and movie about about astronauts, because yep. so many of them were test pilots there. Like, there's so much to your district that's really cool, I think. I also think it's kind of uh, one interesting stat is per capita, we have more doctorates in St. Mary's County than any other county. Uh, and, you know, it's the intellectual capital that I always say separates us. And people right. forget about us down here because we're on this peninsula and you can't get any further south. You know, people always ask me, like, where are you? I'm like, well, basically just drive into the Chesapeake and go another 20 minutes. And that's where I live. Like, you know, but when you come here, uh, I mean, you know, this place really does pack a really big punch in terms of the economic value for our state. And people forget that. And I just, you know, I try to I try to remind people often that like, hey, you know, it ain't a single dirt lane down here. Like we have major industry going on. And we play a real role, not just in Maryland's economy, but the overall, you know, strategic uh, planning for the D.C. region. Right. Right. And and frankly, you know, nationally, I mean, you know, the Pax River Naval Air Station's of national importance, you know. And so, I, yeah, it's I, I it's a really cool area you represent. I got to tell you, I love it down there. So you you mentioned you served active duty with the Army. You're, you're still a guardsman, right? No, I actually just got out. My wife. Okay, so just finished up. So I'll blame her, but I just got out. Okay, well, congratulations. Thank you. That's great. So did your service in the military help inform your service as a legislator? Like, are there things you apply from, you know, your military service and your leadership experience there to the work you do in Annapolis? For sure. Um, You know, I think just in life. Uh, the military had much more of an impact on me than I, I ever had on the military. I mean, it, it is nothing more than 
you know, a real life, um, constant leadership development organization. And that's really what they preach. And, you know, they, they harp on that and they live those values each and every day. Uh, and so, you know, from a personal standpoint, I still cherish those values. I still try to live my daily life utilizing them, but from a legislative standpoint, yeah, I, I think that the biggest impact you could say is on, on a couple fronts, one from a campaign front, um, you know, you could probably talk to some of our colleagues, you know, there's nothing I like more than just my own little bit of an autonomy. Like I like kind of just being out on my own and having my own thing to do. Uh, and I'll be self-motivated, right? It's like, I know what the mission is. Nobody has to explain to me what the mission is and I'll get the mission done. Like, let me just figure out the solutions to my problems and I'll, you know, take it all. Um, and that's when I was a third Ranger bat, there was nothing better. It was like, Hey, this is the mission. Go do it. And, you know, sometimes that was the only advice or, or guidance you really, I mean, there was a guidance of what you could and couldn't do, but like, for the most part, you're out there with your people trying to solve that problem to, to accomplish that mission. And so that from a campaign perspective, you know, that was one of the bigger struggles for me is like big brother. Um, I always laugh about it because it's like one thing that I'm just not naturally good at. Um, and then the second, I think from just an overall policy perspective or really when it comes to the district and being an actual legislator it's like i don't i don't know i don't really like to get into all the personal jarred or you know take shots at people it's just like what do we got to do let's just do it yeah um yeah. and that's kind of just how i've i don't know that's just how i operate whether that's right wrong or indifferent for politics i don't know but i can tell you that i certainly enjoy um getting things done more so than getting into it with anybody. I don't know if that makes me effective or not, but it, it, it certainly is, is the part of the job that I, you know, I don't really mind when it's like, Hey, we did X, Y, and Z quietly, uh, but right. X, Y, and Z got done. And right. now it's going to benefit, you know, 6.3 million Marylanders. Yeah. Um, and I don't need it to play out in the paper. Um, so which is kind of, I, mean, like, I, I think people appreciate that about you, man. Like I, you know, I know I do. I, I, I value people who are problem solvers. Right. And I don't value as much people who are constantly seeking credit for things they, they haven't done in a lot of cases. And, you know, so I, one of the things I appreciate about you is like, you, you just dive right into an issue. Right. And I mean, that's the way it should be. That's the way politics should be. Right. No, I appreciate it, which is, you know, I don't want to go down the rabbit hole of talking about this, but like when 655, I brought that forward, right? I mean, that was, that was a small bill for anybody watching. Uh, you can probably Google it. Uh, but when I brought it, I didn't really think my first email ever said, hey, I got a small issue. What's the big deal? Let's bring this forward. And then when it like, you know, everything, all hell broke loose. I was like, oh my God. I was like, well. This really isn't my style, but here we are. Like, let's just do it. I mean, I, I still in my heart believe it was the right thing to do uh, and is the right policy, but I had no clue it was going to kick up a whole storm across the state of Maryland, uh, which. Yeah. For those, for those of you that don't know, uh, HB 655 was a bill that uh, would have changed voting procedures in, in some counties. Essentially, uh, there are some places in the state that either for their county commission or school board, um, they elect members from districts 
but the members are actually elected by the countywide electorate, right? So the district is it's called a residency district. And uh, so HB 655 was a bill that would have eliminated that. And I, I think, uh, Brian, like, I think all of us were surprised by how controversial that bill became over time. But, it, you know, sometimes you got to fight the hard fight because you believe in it, right? Yeah, absolutely. I still I still have no regrets for bringing it. Um, you know, I, 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 there's things that I learned a ton about is like I would have mentioned this to a lot of people had I thought it was a big deal. Um, right. You know, it's just like I didn't think this was going to be a thing. Um, but, you know, you know, you live and learn and, and there's always growth, right? You, there's no never any kind of loss. You're always just growing and, and trying to get better and trying to mature. So sure. I'm thankful for the experience. Well, and look, I, you know, I've been, I've been at this for 10 years now in the legislature and I'll tell you, you can never predict some bills that you think are going to be tiny bills blow up and become big controversial things. Some things that you think are going to be big and controversial fly through. I mean, I had a bill, um, what last 20, 2020, I guess, um, that, that had to do with deer hunting in the agricultural part of my district, the ag reserve. Um, and it just would have, you know, made some adjustments to allow, people on these special permits called deer management permits to use to use rifles instead of just shotguns. And it became far and away the most controversial bill I had that <laughs> legislative session. Like I got so many emails about it and you know, like you, you can never predict that kind of thing. I mean, some things just blow up. Yeah. Sometimes like, even if you think you're on the right side of the policy and you're getting negative media or publicity or whatever it's like maybe i could just explain it to people and they'll understand but sometimes it, it just doesn't work out like that and it's it's interesting you know uh, yeah yeah but we're both still i mean i think we're the same age right like we're both still young just learning you've been doing this a lot longer than i have um you know but oh you know just continue to grow i look i learn something new every session i think i think when you stop learning in this job is when you're not serving your constituents well, because, you know, the, the, you have to adapt as a legislator to keep doing a better job for them. So, you know, I think that's a, that's a, an ongoing thing. So, so, so one of the other bills you introduced was HB 257, which gave counties the ability to provide these expanded property tax credits uh, for service disabled veterans. I should say, I think this is HB 257 of 2020, yep. not 2021. Um, so why was that bill important for you what, and, and your constituents? Why'd you bring it? So a couple of things. First, um, we've already discussed it, but Pax River, which is home to 22,500 employees, sits in my district. And while there is a small uh, component of that workforce that is in uniform, I bet you if you polled the, the entire 22,500 people, the bulk of them would be veterans who decided to do their 20 years uh, or do, do some sort of time in the service and then transition into a civilian support role for whatever reason. Maybe they didn't want to deploy. Uh, but nonetheless, there are retired veterans here. And anybody who served a day in the military, we know it's a young man's game and it takes a toll on your body. Um, for me personally, you know, I was a paratrooper, so I jumped out of planes. And I can tell you, I never once worried about my chute opening. But I hated landing. It hurt so bad. And that just beats up the body. Um, and I know many veterans, including two that I've served um, with personally, and I, I was fortunate enough to, to be in their platoons, have injuries and conditions severe enough to prevent them from ever performing significant levels of work again. Um, but they do not have a 100% disability rating. 
So the bill really created or closed a gap for those disabled veterans, uh, which are currently uh, current Maryland uh, residents and didn't have any type of relief. So prior to the bill, if you were a 100% disabled veteran, uh, you were able to claim deductions on your property taxes. If you had a 90% uh, veteran, or excuse me, disabled disability rating from the VA, then you weren't able to claim anything. And so it's like a cliff, like you just, you, you can't get the benefit at all. Correct. And so all we wanted to do was, was essentially create a staircase. Uh, and so HB 275 expanded the authority that counties have to offer. A, they could offer basically the first group was 25% deduction on those who were between 50% and 74% disabled. And then a 50% deduction for those who are between 75% and 99% disabled. And Maryland, you know, I, I know we're all very familiar with the statistics being so close to the district too. a lot of, a lot of veterans come here uh, to continue their service. It's home to 380,000 veterans. So it's not just important to my district, it's important to the state. And 80,000 of those 380,000 veterans claim some sort of disability. So, and a quarter of those, so 25% of those are between the 70 and 90% category, which is a significant category. Um, and so I think that this is a way to say thank you and give back. Uh, now, the catch to the bill is, because of the way we're structured, is that the counties now need to enact it. Uh, and so I would like it if my county, uh, it is on the county commissioners, they have the authority if they would enact this policy uh, and just give back to our local community, in my opinion. Yeah, and help people who, you know, in a lot of cases, if you're 90%, 80% disabled rating, like you, you have trouble making a living sometimes, right? It's hard to, you know, and I, I mean, that's a really good point about sort of the statewide spread of veterans, right? Like, I mean, we have, you know, for a small state like Maryland, we have a lot of military facilities in the state, right? Fort Meade, Dietrich, Andrews, Aberdeen, Pax River, like Indian Head, we've got just tons of military facilities, plus you know, the, the contractors and folks. So it's, you know, it, it's a major issue. It is a major issue. That's a good point. It absolutely is. I mean, it is, a, you know, it's important, I think, across the state. And it's good for a lot of districts. Yeah. Yeah. Well, including mine. So I appreciate that. <laughs> the veterans in my district appreciate that. We have a, we have a lot of retirees in my district at, at a, a couple big retirement facilities. And a fair number of them are veterans. So. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So one of the other, uh, you know, cool things you get to be involved in because you represent St. Mary's County is is uh, supporting St. Mary's City, which which, you know, was the for those listening. If you're not a native Marylander and didn't have to go through Maryland history in fifth grade or whatever it is, uh, St. Mary's City was the first capital of the state of Maryland. Um, St. Mary's is like the core of European settlement, English settlement in the state of Maryland. So. Um, this year, you did a bill to create a, a commission called the Fort to 400 Commission for Historic St. Mary's City. What's that about? So first, uh, if you've never visited Historic St. Mary's City, come on down. We would love to have you. There are a ton of exciting things happening there. Um, we're about to build or break ground on a new museum. Um, but the main thing is last year, with a young hotshot archaeologist uh, named Travis Parno, he used some pretty ground uh, penetrating radar to find the first settlement uh, in Maryland. And you can see the outline perfectly 
uh, with this radar or, or, the, or the pictures from it. It's pretty incredible. You can see exactly where the cannon was located, uh, where the um, fencing or the, you know, the fort walls were. It's pretty awesome. And it's there that there's actually evidence that English colonists and Native Americans cohabitated, uh, which is, would be the first um, right. in the country. Right. And so that massive archaeological find has really received national coverage. Um, and while it's begun, we need to start to plan what does that site in our region specifically look like for our celebration during Maryland's 400th anniversary, which is in 2034. And, you know, it, some people look at me like I'm crazy, like it's 2021, but 13 years uh, can, can go by in a blink of the eye. And this is an opportunity for us to not just think about it from a discovery of the fort, but really uh, to, hey, what do, what do we want our area, the south end of our economy, which has a very rust belt feel, what do we want that to look like? What do we want its economy to look like? And it's going to be predicated hugely on tourism um, and the development around the tourist industry. Um, and historic St. Mary City Right now, it brings in almost 50,000 people a year, um, and it's the second largest economic contributor in St. Mary's County besides our base, and that's a big deal. In 2017 alone, I think this is, these are the latest numbers I have, but uh, it saw a total direct consumer impact just shy of $7 million. So not only was it doing big numbers before this, but we're hopeful that with the discovery of the fort and setting this commission up to plan how can we harness this and basically advocate to the rest of the state like hey this is this is our jamestown moment right this is, we want to bring everybody here and highlight our first capital uh and this is our chance to do that so i think it's pretty awesome our jamestown moment i like that i mean that really like it is kind of like jamestown in in the in the sense that like this is one of the you know foundational moments in the history of the European settlement of North America, right? Yep. The, the establishment of, of the Maryland colony. And that's really cool. Like I, 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 I want to go down. I want to, I want to see this, this, this fort out of Palisade outline and, and see it myself. Cause it's, I haven't, I haven't been down there since it was discovered. That's really exciting. It's amazing. I mean, they got some, they've already started to dig. Obviously anything in archeology span takes forever. Um, it's slow, but they found some really cool stuff, whether it's cups or tips of spears. I mean, it's really neat. Uh, yeah, that's that's fascinating, and that and the history of that is fascinating too, right? Like, I think one of the the mistakes we make in history is we tend to look at like Native Americans like they're all the same, and there there were of course different groups of Native Americans in Maryland, and and so I the stories I had read were that the colonists had like a good relationship with the natives there, in part because the colonists said they would help protect the natives from other Native groups like further north. Yeah. I, they, I didn't realize they had like lived together. That's, that's, that's amazing. Yep. And so you can kind of see that on both sides of the fort and the picture is like where one would have cohabited, uh, one would have habitated like one side of it and uh, the, the, the Native Americans, the other, but all within the same walls and nothing divided them. So it's pretty cool. I, I'm, I'm excited to see what that commission comes up with. I will still be around in 2030. Was it 2034? Yes, that's it. Well, I'll still be around, so I'll come down and celebrate with you. But before then, I want to go down and tour that 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 spot. That's really cool. Come on down, let me so, know. 
We'll take yes. that out. Let's do it. Let's do it. I still I still have a state park down your way I have to do too. Which one? Um St. Mary uh, is it St. Mary's River State Park, I think. Cause I've done so we did Point Lookout, we did Greenwell, and then there was that there was one more that was like under construction. So we couldn't do it the day we were down there. So Okay. We'll have to go down and visit it. Come on down. So so we uh we we always finish every podcast with some fun questions, a couple true or false questions, and then uh, our final question, which we ask of everybody. Uh, so our first true or false question, and I I really wish that when I had uh, 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 Heather Bagnall on, I had asked this question of her, so I could get a little competition going between you two. But true or false? Point Lookout is better than Sandy Point. True. Anything not witnessing Bay Bridge traffic is better. I mean, Sandy Point is a fantastic park. It is. I will say that Point Lookout has, first of all, more beach. Yep. Um, and and second, it's got the history to it, which is really freaking cool. And as you say, no traffic. None. It's it's. I mean, it's awesome, and it's a quiet little slice of heaven, right? It's like everybody goes down there. They set up their own little shops, uh, and everybody just enjoys their time down there. It's it's a blast. Yeah. Yeah. If you've never been to Point Lookout, go to Point Lookout. It is a really cool spot. Um, True or false? St. Mary City was the best state capital. Oh, that's definitely true. Absolutely. (laughs) I'm not even not even going to entertain Annapolis. I feel like I'm giving you too too many easy questions here. I should have come up with harder true or false, but I am. I'm going to print that answer. I'm going to send it to our District 30 colleagues so so you can you can fight with Anne Arundel County about it. You know, I think that obviously both have a ton of history. I just think that there are a, a lot of cool things about historic St. Mary City. It is my favorite part uh, of the state, and I kind of fell in love with it when I first moved here. Um, you know, just running. I mean, I would go for runs and work out down there, and it's absolutely gorgeous. But, you know, the, the history from Matthias de Souza, uh, who was an indentured servant and worked for several years as a merchant with the uh, Jesuit priests, and then gained his freedom and actually became the first black person to hold any legislative seat uh, in what would become the United States uh, at the time. And he was elected in 1641, which is pretty cool, to people like Margaret Brent. Uh, and she was, what, the executor of our first colonial uh, governor's estate? And so, you know, she insured local soldiers in the uh, militia uh, were fed and paid for their service, which is pretty cool. And then I think... She was the first woman to uh, to appear in front of a, a court in the colonies, um, and that was to petition for the right to vote uh, in public record, which is pretty awesome. And this is like more than 100 years before a lot of the big historical sites in Annapolis, like the Pega House and stuff like yeah. that, right? Like, this is way back. I mean, th- think about it. It was early 1900s when women got the right to vote. Uh, the Declaration of Independence wasn't even until, you know, late 1700s. And in 1648, she's in front of a court petitioning. I mean, that, you know, A, it shows you how much persistence goes into any issue. Um, But B, it just shows you how much of a trailblazer she really was. Yeah, that's wild. And names that most Marylanders don't even know. That's, we should, yeah, okay. We're going to write a book. You and I are going to write a book. (laughs) It's going to be great. Yeah, I'll dictate. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So our final question is a two-parter and it needs a little definition. You've seen this before. So I think, I think, you know, but um, uh, first of all, what is your favorite Maryland food? And it, it, it does not have to be 
a food that's specific to Maryland. It could be any food served anywhere within the geographical boundaries of the state of Maryland. And, and then what is your favorite place in the state of Maryland? And again, it doesn't have to be in your district. It can be anything within the state of Maryland. So food and place or place and food, whatever order you want to go in. Well, A, way to try to set me up and not pick something in my district. Um, <laughs> I, well, I don't want to get people in trouble. I figure you have to name something in your district. <laughs> name something in your district. No. <laughs> so, uh, both my answers will be in my district, but that's just okay. because of where I'm here all the time. Uh, and I yeah. love it here. Um, I'll answer them in reverse. Uh, you know, I already kind of touched on why historic St. Mary's is my favorite place. Um, and it's, you know, obviously there's all the cool history, but really, if you just go down there, there's a small beach front down there. Uh, they have, um, the, the dove down there, which we're getting replaced. Uh, so you can tour that they have the first day capital, but really it's just, there's a whole bunch of people roaming around with their families, enjoying their time. Um, and everybody seems to just enjoy the breathtaking view, which overlooks the St. Mary's river. Uh, and I love running down there. It's an awesome spot. Not a lot of traffic. You don't have to stop. You're kind of on a path um, that's paved, but still, you know, a little bit out of the way. And I love getting a workout down there. Plus, in the summertime, there's plenty of shade. So you're not just eating the hot sun the whole time you're running, uh, which is a plus. And then Maryland food, I will say um, crab cakes are better here. I, I genuinely find that to be true. Uh, of course. But of course. I'll give a different answer. Um, so I'm from Philadelphia, obviously the big thing from Philadelphia, or one of the big foods from Philadelphia are cheesesteaks and I love cheesesteaks. Um, and the best cheesesteak I've ever had is actually Showtime Deli here in my district. It is bar none better than anything I've had, uh, back up the road. So are you serious? That's a big claim. Yeah, it's phenomenal. It's absolutely phenomenal. Uh, okay. What, what, what cheese do you use? Well, there I use provolone uh, because oh, if you wow. leave if you leave Philadelphia you will never find cheese whiz uh, which is the only cheese for um, a cheesesteak but the yeah. provolone cheese is fantastic yeah I mean it's it's not quite cheese whiz it's not quite <laughs> cheese whiz but okay then I'm gonna have to I'm definitely gonna have to come down now because I love cheesesteaks and I'm gonna have to try that yeah I, that's a big claim. That's a big claim. That's great. It's fan You come down here. It's on me. It's fantastic. Okay. <laughs> All right. Well, we'll do that. We'll do that. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, the, uh, the dedicated, the brilliant delegate, Brian Crosby from St. Mary's County. Brian, thanks for joining me. Thank you. I appreciate it. This is pretty awesome. Glad yeah, have a good one, man.